0: Hello there and welcome to a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Elbrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie-familiar Sill, the affable Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard, Saber, the binary gear-forged paladin whose maker had a sense of humor when placing his soul gem, and the charming Oraki, hailing from the Kuru tribe of Dabu, a female knoll cleric following a vision. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop. So that's the cast, that's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. In this episode, we move away from the regular campaign diary conversation. If you've been following the weavings of the D&D world. You've probably heard about Matt Colville's Kickstarter called Strongholds and Followers, listed as a top 100 Kickstarter of all time. Join Mick and I as we discuss. How does one implement a campaign where a player can spend their hard-earned adventuring moolah to buy a business and then profit from earned revenue or declare bankruptcy because they foolishly payrolled the losing political party to dominate a campaign by sword and spell, or, perhaps, to build an empire where adventurers become your paid employees. Taverns, shops, minions crafting magical weapons, paying your minions, random tables for business development. What will you do when your bartender employee is skimming from the till and poisoning your patrons? or? What happens when your farmers grow nothing but kale? So then, you've bought a tavern, then a smithy, what's next, buy the farm or the brothel? Now then, where is the drawn line between campaign adventuring to save the world and conquering the world with your economic empire of D&D laundromats? With West Marches, town building has a role, but is it a role of public or private enterprise? Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy.
1: I think we should start this by saying that we have been talking about the same thing that has just happened for the best part of a year, which is how do you implement or how do you stop D and D just from being about killing stuff? Yeah. I want to build stores, I want to have castles, I want to be the rich, wealthy landowner. And we've been talking about how you can the rules and the structures that you can make to, you can implement to make that work. So the the question then becomes, how do you drop that into a game?
2: If you look at what we're doing in our cell phones campaign, right now you guys have it's been we've been playing now with this current group for at least two months. Yeah and in those two months game time wise it's been just one week at one point you guys find some let's say you're level five or something like this and you find a treasure hoard and you as Calidus you want to buy a store yep. so to me this is okay well how much to game time does the g- no I guess before how much game time is you as Calidus are talking to other guys and you're saying, I want to buy a store. And uh, I'm just wondering, does it become a one-on-one thing with the DM and, and working this out and the other guys waiting until their turn comes before that happens? Or is this something that happens on downtime? Because there. So one thing is about when does it happen in session or not? And the other thing is the mechanics behind it, because as me as a DM, I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, Calidus wants to go out there and he wants to buy a store to sell, I I don't know, weapons. And for me as, okay, I can pretend to be an NPC, but what would be the mechanics behind making that happen? Because there should be, you know, situations of, yes, it works. Yes, it fails. And it's intimidating to me because I'm just like, God, how would we do about, go about doing that?
1: It doesn't work, but it doesn't, it doesn't work in the, traditional in sense in the traditional sense so in that environment that we're talking about no, not where, at all, because yeah, it's just not normal. yeah you don't have enough time to to implement something over a five-day period you know within a five-day period someone could walk into the store sell you a, a sword you could mark up the price and then sell it back to a player that that's the if that happened once a day if you were a second-hand store yeah. then that's all you get this concept works in the
2: that multiply a guy. No, but I I think it would work in in a small campaign as well. So if you wanted to buy a store, I don't see why you couldn't do that. But like, okay, let's say right now we've all been, it's X amount of game time has happened, which is seven days of actual game time. At some point though, you'll finish this one adventure and it's going to be X amount of time passes before the new adventure starts. So downtime wise, yes, you buy a store and stuff like this. And there should be some mechanics in terms of, well, what kind of store it is, like persuasion and whatnot. So at some point, game time starts up, you've earned X amount of gold from your store, and, well, I'm going to start another store with it. So there's got to be mechanics in place because it shouldn't be just about, I'm selling to another player, and it's only from my selling to another player. Because if we're talking about selling to another player, then, yes, we're talking about a big multiplayer thing, which is Westmarch's. That that means that if you want to implement it into the... <clears throat> the standard game structure, yeah that you have
1: to have characters that go from campaign to campaign from yes. game to game, yes, and so that means that if i if I play this, I become a level twenty, then I will be a level twenty until I die, yeah from campaign to campaign that that means that then. All yeah, of these I mean, ongoing characters
2: don't get to go back and be level ones. You don't get to start again. You don't get to go through the whole process. But this is, And this is why like, we started this conversation because we're talking about Matt Colville's Kickstarter and the Stronghold's business. And one of the things you with the whole idea that Stronghold is to provide some rules mechanics around not just buying a castle, which is in the core books. I've just bought a castle because I've got a bunch of money. And then what? So what? You bought a castle. Big deal. You spent your money in the castle. Yay, I've got a castle. What he's saying is that when you have a castle, some of the things he's saying is that, well, what are some of the things, what are the advantages you have? Why would this be a good thing? And he's saying, well, if you spend some time here, there's going to be a table set up. Let's say you are a, a lawful good character. Some of these tables that will ensure that you get like griffin allies or something like this, or related to a certain spell that you can really only do when you've got a stronghold. Okay. Some of that makes sense. So taking a stronghold and then also creating an empire of stores there's got to be some mechanics behind that for in a campaign setting, what would the advantage be? Because your character's supposed to get to level 20 and then after level 20, poof, is yeah, over. Done. So there could be, uh, for us, there's one overall goal in our Southlands game and that's to deal with the Tuscali threat. But outside of dealing with the Tuscali threat, is it just fight monster, fight monster, fight monster until you get to level 20? And no, we don't want that. We want this yeah. to be something else. And the issue
1: then becomes the time constraint that you've got. Yeah, and so the problem is that with in our scenario, World War Three, World War Two took seven years, um, six years. Um, you you've got to say, is this campaign going to take six years? And if this campaign is going to take six years in terms of like yeah. time, then we are going to be dead by the time we get through it. We've taken four months to do seven days. You know, it could go on forever. And how much can you achieve within that seven day period, or do you have to just turn around and say okay? I have to change time, yeah, and say that instead of it taking a a day to make a sword, I can make a sword in ten minutes. Yeah, well,
2: it, just not only just change time. I, I like that because what we're saying too is like what I've done so far in Southlands is I've given you here's a thread, here's a thread, here's a thread that can all go to different stories, yeah, and just keep you guys busy, 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 but. Taking time basically means, you no, know, screw that. There can't be just thread after thread, immediately happen, disaster after disaster, go, 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 go. Instead, it could be, all right, you solved the idea of the Grimalkan Eye, and cool, you provided the Grimalkan Eye, you solved that story, it took a day, took two days. Hell, yeah, we're a good group. I mean, the whole point was you guys were refugees. You were hanging out for six months before all of a sudden someone yeah. came and offered you guys something. It could be, I solved this and now, okay, well, there's X amount of game time has passed. Let's uh, work out some of the mechanics of what you guys did in those six months where, yeah. before this next venture uh, yeah. arrives. Yeah, so,
1: and the issue with that one becomes that if, if you have the Tuscali uprising that's occurring mm-hmm. and and you uh, say we took five days to solve the Remolk and I and then we spend three months... Um, building our castle and you know, developing new spells and all that kind of stuff you know if the if the rule says the amount of time required to create a sword plus one is a month yeah then that will take us a month and then the next thing we do will take another month next thing we'll do we'll take yeah three. because and, and then all of a sudden a year has passed in downtime yeah and the tuscali uprising of course is going to be off and running yeah by the time that is done yeah so I think what has to happen is that you can't have real time for the the castle component. Yeah, it the castle kind of component has to be crunched down in terms of what would normally take you a month in real time has to take you a second in game time. Yeah, so you have to have two timelines running, which Einstein would be hysterical about. Two different forms of time. Yeah, so that when you take a break at the end of it for you the fi- next, you finish one thing. If, if, you yeah you now take a day off. And in that day you achieve what would normally take a year.
2: And this the interesting <laughs> thing to this is, is so if you took this, like you guys, you solved the Grimalkan eye issue and your objective is, has always been, I need to deal with this Tuscali threat. And so your first six months, you, I mean, if you sit there and you think if in six months I have arrived here as a refugee yep. and I am distraught. Okay. The first six months just took me that much to emotionally get over crap. Now I'm focused on it. So now you've solved this. There's no other adventures coming in. What am I going to do? And you're right, crafting. I will work on crafting my plus one weapon or my plus two, whatever it is. And sure. And then I'm just thinking, you know, that's actually a good idea because let's say... But you wouldn't
1: craft... But the issue with this is that you would work on crafting your plus one weapon, but you wouldn't be able to actually achieve that goal. Because you need extra things. A, yeah, and also that's a sky. I keep doing is continually happening. Yeah. So you might be there for three days working on it, yeah. but then all of a sudden you're off doing the next thread yeah. that has to be done. And, yeah. and in real life, that means that you've done three days' work here and that's where you stop. Yeah. You go off do the next thread. Yeah. So this is, what this is saying is that you've got your minions building the plus-one weapon. But the other issue yes. with that is that the amount of time it takes to build the plus plus-one weapon that you're building or to run your castle that you've created, yep. even that is probably not going to fit into the time frame that we we're, we're running to. Because if we turn around and said, let's if a plus one weapon was going to take a month to build, yep. in our terms, we've done seven days. Yep. It's taken us four months to do the seven days. Yep. It's going to take us you know, a year yep. before a month of real time has expired, yep. at which point you get your plus one weapon. That means that in order to achieve something that you started out on on day one of playing time, a year later, because you've crafted that item
2: in at the end end of the day and that and that doesn't work. Well, there's 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 some other things too that you think about. Like right now you rely on the fact that you're gonna go out, have an adventure and discover these things. What how else would that make you feel that if you were like, Well, I've earned enough money. I'm going to start investing in this and I will have minions who are going to be doing, building me this plus two thing. And so I might have some downtime. Maybe I'm helping them or something like this, but then I've crafted it. I didn't have to go out and find it. So there's something to be said about, you know, I've solved these <laughs> mysteries. Now I've got some downtime. Yes, it's a scholar doing some stuff, but I am building up something here in order to better deal with that later. And if you put it into the campaign that we're currently running
1: now, there is a, a, a committee, a council that runs the town or the city. And there's a bunch of conflicting things going on here. We can actually go out and get a plus-one weapon anytime. We've like. we just got to go to the store that sells the plus-one weapons Mm. and there's bound to be the Crimson Plus-One weapon store and we can buy one with the money that we've got. The whole crafting castle idea is not so much about what you can make and what you can discover and who your allies are going to be. It's about your influence over the society and your place on the council. Mm. and and so right now we're seeing this and i am guessing that this is about the mechanics of the castle rolling well getting allies all things that will help you fight not necessarily things that will help
2: you control a town well and and, and it also changes things too because if you look at what's Happen historically is to go from level one to level twenty to adventure, 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 adventure. Yeah. Is there really downtime? Hard to say, but that adventure, 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 it takes you throughout the entire realm, right? Yeah. And so, do you? I mean, perhaps you get renowned because over time, getting up to level twenty. I mean, people would get to know you, but you were influenced in one specific city. What is it? Well, it doesn't matter if you're level twenty. What kind of influence would you expect just because you're famous? Whereas you change the campaign setting from instead of being, yes, you've got this big threat you need to deal with, whatever it is, and instead of me traveling the realm, I will become a, a local power, and, and if I you will could, have influence over this. And go back and take that
1: and, and, and drop in the board games that we played, Yeah, and there was, I don't know, pick a board game that required you to conquer territories and establish castles as you went along. Yeah, yeah. That, that, like, or Game or, of Thrones, I guess, is probably a good example yeah, of it. You have a map, yeah. you all start in different corners, yeah. and you conquer these areas, and yeah. and that is what this this Matt Colville is now giving you the mechanics to put in place the structures yeah. in the new territory, yeah, that would give you a bigger realm that you manage, and it, it also and, it, and increase the size of your army and the strength and the and, power of what
2: you've got, and also remove some of the randomness about going out and trying to find that amazing extra legendarily rare item and instead you start manufacturing maybe you're not because I, I know legendary items take an entire lifetime to, to yeah. manufacture so you might not be about manufacturing that but if you become a stronghold and you're focused on acquiring the wizardry to produce plus one this that and the other why would couldn't you do that how long does it take to do a plus one magic item does it take two years of, of someone's time. So yeah. downtime wise, if you employ five wizards and yeah. so each you of them then, is doing yeah. this. So the question then becomes, how do you keep getting the influx of money? And either you're out adventuring to get it or you're building a store. Yeah. And so
1: maybe, and and maybe one way of getting around this time constraint is to turn around because currently what we're looking at is that there is one of, one of me and I'm either adventuring or I'm making a plus one sword. So if I and what I'm saying is, if you shift the time, yes, you can make this work. But if I have my minions sitting around, yeah, and if I have, It makes a lot more sense to have a minion. Oh it. yeah, and you would have minions doing it. Yeah. So the the issue that you then have is how do you make the whole thing economically work, and how do you make the logic fly? Well, and it, and really, I think it comes down to man hours. You you don't look at how long it takes to make a plus one sword. You turn around and say, well, a minion takes a month to make a plus one sword. Yeah. If I have thirty minions. Then it will take me one day. Now, yes, there's a logic failure that you've got 30 minions working on the one sort all at the one time. That's fine. But, but in terms of making the whole thing work, then that and that works really well. Yeah. Uh, and then you get the economic side of it, which is how do you pay or how do you keep alive the 30 minions
2: or something? I did the material that is required to do that, because it yeah. could be rare materials required. That's right.
1: So so if you were to overlay what Matt Culver's coming up with, with a, a man-hour-type structure, it is possible that you could actually drop this into a game so that you then you go out to establish a castle, you herd together the minions that you need. The more minions you have, the more you can create. You can go and yeah. create the mines. You can yeah. find the food. You can keep them fed watered.
2: and watered. because you can just generate
1: it. your yeah. wealth. Yeah. So, yeah, so once you've overcome the survival component, yeah. you can then start generating the wealth component, yeah. and then you can start employing the people to generate the stuff. Yeah. And it's possible that within that constraint you can, yes, turn around and say, I am going out to explore this cavern. Yeah, I'll be gone for a
2: week and come back, and there will be made for you. Well, and, that, plus and, that's, one weapon and that's just and the thing. The, like right now, if you look at the crafting rules, the crafting rules are really about you doing the crafting. And mm. if you think about, okay, downtime wise, I want to craft a plus one. It's going to take me a month. And your other players, they don't have a downtime activity. So from, yeah. you know, okay, uh, sorry, Nick, next, next session, a month of downtime has happened. Well, what did you guys do? Oh, I just was out there spending all my cash doing nothing, whereas Calidus was out there trying to craft. So the point that I'm getting and, at and the, is- other so- and the other side of the coin is that,
1: yes, I was out there, Calidus was out there crafting away Merrily as a level three wizard.
2: What do the other guys do? They went from level three to level 15. Well, th- well, this is exactly. That's, that's my point is that he's out there. And that's why you want a minion is because yeah. you would want them to do it. So downtime wise, they're spending that. Whereas you can keep on going with the team to do more. Yeah. Adventuring, because is the rest of the team waiting a month for you to do that? Not no a way. No. no. So that, that's a good way. And I wonder if the book is going to be, like he's saying it's about strongholds and, and some of the extra things that you could do in order to spend money on strongholds. I wonder if there is an economy aspect of it in terms of being able to earn other gold. I would look at this and say that this has now developed a gap
1: yeah. within, the, within the, whole, the whole concept because you don't just have a stronghold. Your stronghold does, what would happen, what I imagine would happen is that the, the first thing that would come along is you would end up with the pub. Yeah. Some right price bloke is yeah. going to build a pub on a road yep. and hope that the passing travellers will stop and eat yep. there and yep. stay there. Yep. The pub then generates the the blacksmith and the place where yep. you keep your horse. Yep. Right. And then that generates the general the, store. Well no, store. normally after that you have a brothel. Oh, and then, yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> then after that you get the general store. Right, and then after that, you then get a town, and then after you get the town, then you get the the castle. So you, yeah. you've got that that structure. So what's happened is that we've gone from adventuring to castle, and there's this chunk in the middle, this this e- economy in the middle that actually creates the castle. Yeah. So when we we look at it in terms of what do you get to make and where does your down, you don't actually have to build the castle; you have to build the pub feed a bunch of people by being yeah. the pub owner yeah. and by running the, uh, the stables and having the blacksmith. And it's the blacksmith that's going to build you the plus one sword yeah. based on the economy of the farmers that are in the surrounding area yeah. coming to use the brothel, drink the beer, and sell their a... product to the store. Well, and yeah. then you've got a transport company that ships your, tra- your product from your little town, which yeah. is the, the grain that you grow, you yep. have the big town down the road that generates the income.
2: Yep. So this, get, and then you get back from your adventure and all the next days have passed and so yeah, yeah, you walk into the pub that you own, the yep. bloke who's the farm and says it's
1: great to see you back, my lord, even though you're not a lord. Yeah. Um, and you say, How much money have you made? he said, I've made, you know, a gazillion dollars, but I've skimmed a chunk off the top. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> you you look at him and you think He's wearing some stuff You shouldn't, you execute him and replace him with someone else. Yeah. And again, if you look at that in terms of game playing, yeah. isn't that a wonderful story? You know, you've gone off adventuring, you've got your little pub there, you come back. And,
2: and, the and thing you is, think you should have
1: money, you then got to execute the guy that's well, running the that's, pub and then roll
2: for the next manager of the pub. How devious is he? How crooked is he? And here's the thing is that <laughs> you got, this is one of those things, like the brothel and or the pub, the tavern. The stronghold, Those are certainly things that I could see an, uh, a team wanting to do. So for example, right. all of a sudden you guys come back, this is your tavern, and yes, your barkeep is skimming off the top or something like this. Yeah. What do you guys as a team do? Because it's something that the whole team, I could easily see them getting invested in that role playing around. That and, for and, sure. and it's interesting isn't it, too, because if you look at that scenario, yes, you're going to take him out and you're going to hang him,
1: And then you are going to go and find yourself another barkeep. But instead of inventing one that's, you roll for your, for, yeah. your, for your manager. Yeah. So you roll the crap. Here's <laughs> another one. You, you roll crap. You roll crap and the DN gives you a bloke that's even worse than the last one you have. He's more yeah. dishonest. Yeah. You're actually rolling yourself up your own NPC mm. to manage your own business. And that, that's a table to roll on for
2: the types right. of people that you're attracting. That's actually... It's so like you've actually...
1: Yeah. Sense. And look, and, 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 and isn't that a great idea? So you're, now, you're going to create this little economy you are going to roll for your farmers. How good are they going to be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and farmers, as a general rule, tend to do what the guy next door. They does. only produce kale. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> you can't sell yeah. it for crap. <laughs> yeah, farming products.
2: You're all too big. Your farm only making <laughs> kale.
0: Everybody <Yeah>. yeah. <laughs> yes, demands.
1: <laughs> so and and again too. Yeah, this is if you if you rolled up. If you think about what well, what can I do with it the farmers and, and they're the people that are going to bring products to your town. They will have the ability to grow food. They'll be, have the ability to, to diversify. Yeah. They'll have the ability to ward off pests and and, uh, and, and stop in place the, you out. Kind of they it. have a productivity factor that says how much they're going to generate. Yeah. So this year, and that's the only thing, you roll your farmers up this year yeah. and then you roll up what's their season going to be like.
2: Yeah.
1: And now all of a sudden you've, you've gone, okay, They're incredibly productive. They can only grow kale because they're stupid. Um, And it's a really good season. What you've got is mountains of kale that you can't sell. The next season, you roll up your farmers, or you might keep the same bunch of farmers, in which case you're making kale again and you're going to be poor for the rest of your life. Or you actually go out and execute all your farmers, roll up another bunch of farmers because you don't like kale. These guys are really bad farmers, but they'll grow anything. So they're growing, you know, we're growing wheat and dope in the same paddock. That's really good. And and we've rolled up a
2: drought, so yes, you've produced a half a bag of really poor quality dog that but you're going to try to sell. And here's the thing too, like those could be all downtime rolls. And and I'm just thinking between what the player and the DM sees and it's like, okay, downtime guys, you know, our session is still three days away. Can you guys just do a couple of these roles? Now you guys aren't aware of the results of those roles that affect your farm or whatever. I'm aware. Yeah, and you, then what I, I do is decision. you guys—you yeah. guys have told your your tavern keeper I'm going to be out in village, and blah blah dies. blah, for doing this, and so they're aware that you're in village, and they send a messenger. So session comes up, and you you get you're at the tavern in this village because you you had to come back because you needed to do a long rest before you go back in to do whatever, and a message arrives saying, "Oh God, your farmers, blah blah blah, someone has come in and stole your crop." Yeah. Yeah, that's actually... Yeah, you, you, know, go, be really cool. you you actually end up with this, this scenario
1: of at the end of every, every session or every campaign that you run, so currently we're in the pyramids, we're going to be in the pyramids for days, we will come out of the pyramids, we'll go back to our little town and we will be confronted with a day of downtime mm-hmm. in which to restore chaos. Mm-hmm. So you actually play a session where you actually get your... Long rest. And And it's it's an addition. A long rest rest is,
2: and what do you do now? I'll take a long rest. We just wipe 12 hours off the game. Well, and and not just that, but But, what kind of player investment would you get to in that downtime then between sessions in terms of thinking about I don't think that it would be a downtime that you did in say. I don't think that it would be
1: between sessions. I think the session would be a downtime session, which is uh, a session where you come back. And the group of you manage the town that you control. Yeah. So if one so person's going to be here. this downtime session is basically one person owns the pub, one person owns yeah. the, yeah. the yeah. brothel, yes. one person owns the yeah. general store, one person manages we the just farms. We back from the
2: pyramid. Through back. We're back. Yeah. A downtime session that's going to be over a period of yeah. x months. And yeah, you yeah. come back, your barkeepers, your bar managers have been ripping you off. I come back
1: yeah. and all my yeah. farmers have got food coming out of it is The bloke who. Uh, runs the right. so it's, it's like, run out of women okay, we've got this excess figure out food. What, what do we do, do.
2: we roll on this excess food to figure out okay what Does is the money is, it yeah. is there a drought
1: you know and for the next session it's like and when you come back you come back and there is a process that happens at the start of that session which would be that's uh, fantastic how much man. money did your how much money got skimmed out of the pub yeah. how much food died because of the drought yeah. uh, how many horses died so the, the player won't know until they get to the to that particular session and then they get confronted with this vast array of things, which is exactly what would happen if you walk back into the yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. And so the guy that's running the boat turns around and goes, Well, I'm going to take the money that I've got, I'm going to execute the barman that I yeah. had, I'm going to roll for a new barman, gonna look at the two dollars ninety that I've got and go, Oh my god. What am I going to do? I'm going to live in the till in the bar. Yeah. The bloke that was growing bucket loads of kale is going to go. It's a really good season, and, and, and kale sold really well. I'm going to keep everything that I've got. I'm going to go for another.
2: And another all of a sudden, car. instead of being in the pyramid saying, "Let's just document everything uh, yeah. in terms of and give it back to the GFA," you're all of a sudden you're like, "You yeah, didn't that. I'm taking that with me because <laughs> <laughs> I need to use yeah. that
1: yeah. Because one of the issues that we have now is that we actually generate money. Yeah. There is no. Other than buying yourself weapons, there is nothing within the game that you can spend money on. And yeah. once you've got the, yeah. well, I've got the plus 27 sword, there's really not a lot that you can do. Yeah. So being able to use this money, and, and interestingly, we were talking earlier about the Tom Cruise movie American May. There's a comment in there that bloke has made he is storing money in suitcases and trying to hide it in houses. And the comment he makes is, I never thought we'd have an issue. Trying to figure out what to do with the money. Yeah, D and D
2: actually—that—that
1: is something that you have to deal with. What yeah. do I do with the money? Yeah, and if you look at the West Marches game, yeah. you will see that there are becoming a large number of high-level players that are accumulating large amounts of money. Yeah,
2: and and this is the thing. Like when you look at it from West Marches, what would you have to change here in order to make this work? Because to me, with West Marches, the difference is there's not much difference between in real life time compared to West yeah, time. Yeah, that's the
0: beauty
1: of it, isn't it? West yeah. time is the same as real life time. Yeah.
2: So all of these issues
1: that we, that we have to deal with in an in-session normal game go yeah. out the window because if I start making my plus one weapon today, yeah. I know that in 30 days' time it'll be there. And if I only play once a week, yeah. then I'm only going to play four games before my plus one weapon has arrived. Yeah. And so I mean,
2: this is brilliantly suited. This whole concept well, I don't is brilliantly know. I don't know. if it is life. because you sit there and you think that. So if it's going to take a year of time to construct a castle in a stronghold, yeah, a year of West March time, that seems a little it's silly. A year real
0: time, yeah.
1: So well, not really, because if if you put it in the in the in, in into the how how the West March stands, but that would be fifty two one game sessions, once a week, hmm. right? Your character's gonna to have to survive the fifty-two weeks for it to happen. Yeah. And he won't. Yeah. Right? So what you then do is that the next person that comes along goes, Oh, yes, Doris just died. Doris was building a castle. It's half built. Mm. I am gonna go and take over Doris's castle and continue the construction. Mm. If if my power comes, if my strength and my army comes from the completion of the castle, mm. And if I get, if my armor class goes up by 27 at the end of it, mm. then my, my chances of retaining the castle are pretty good. Well, it, because, and yeah. that's another thing that has to come into play as well. If you're in a Westmarchers game and you've constructed the castle and you've
2: got all of this stuff that you, you've done, do you dare go out and fight dragons? Because well, chances see, are you're going to lose the lot. Here, and here's the problem with the Westmarchers that we have, we're not doing, which has to happen in order for this to work is from day one, what we should have been doing is that any time... So we've got the bots, the bots to yeah. buy stuff. What they should have been doing with the bot is that anytime someone buys stuff, it, the money that they've spent goes into... Well, it, yeah. two things happen to it. It pays the the NPC who owns the store, but from that NPC who owns the store, a percentage of that is tax that gets put into the town. And the town can do something with that. Now, they also say we can, in West March, as a player you cannot sell your magic items. And I'm sitting there thinking, no one should be able to sell the magic items. And the magic items would become part of the economy. And other people, yes, they could buy it. But the point is, is again, they buy that. And what does that happen with that money that they used to buy? Because that money can't just disappear because then you don't have an economy at all. And, and, and here, one of, the, one of the things about the,
1: the West Marches game is that the economy is funded externally. And it's funded every time the, a player gets created. When a player gets created, they come with their own assets yeah. and their own pile of money. Yeah. When the player dies...
2: pathetically minimal.
1: Yeah. But, but when they but, die... But, it's, but like, it's sufficient. It's sufficient. Yeah. Because even though it's incredibly
2: small, yeah.
1: that's an amount of money that gets put into the economy.
2: Yeah.
1: And it stays there. And yeah. so what you, what you now have is the ability then for people to go and find things... Yeah that they can turn into money, and the money has come from these people have, yeah. that you've, you can along the way. And the other issue about the taxing people is that what do you build, one of the things you can't build, you can only build infrastructure, you can't build shops. Because once you build shops and, and buildings, it means the town is then running and owning them. Actually, that, what I just said is probably wrong. I said you can't have the state owning the, the shops. But you can, there is the opportunity right at the start of the game to say that it's a state-based economy or a capitalist economy. So if it's a state-based economy, then they will build the shops in the towns, own the roads, manage them and sell the products, keep the profit and be as corrupt as they like. Or you can have the capitalist economy, in which case the capitalists will do exactly the same stuff, except they won't own the roads and they'll be as corrupt as they like to be as well. Or you can have a mixture of both, in which case you get things like the the state-based weapons company. Yep. And you also have the Crimson Nib weapons company, and they compete against each other yep. to buy and sell products yep. within the town. Yeah, sure. and you then got the DM and how good is he in economics? And then you've got the really good economics player who's built yeah. his own store and his own
2: castle. Right. Yeah, but the, the funny thing, though, is, is ultimately, though, as the DM... Like if you did the state-based economy, it's nice because then you, as the DM, can say, "Okay, based on the influx of money, this much of new road has happened in game time, real time, whatever. Magically, the map has been expanded a little bit by an extra bit of road." And that, I mean, there's there's something to to that because as it stands now, what we're doing is we're saying, "Okay, players." You can do a road-building session. It's up to you. If you want to do a road-building session, you've got to protect these workers from from dying. And, and, and I think you're right. It can go both ways. Like, if the roads are not expanding enough in order to for players to start building new settlements and stuff like that, the state-based economy becomes really, really good. Because unless a DM is good, those road-building sessions are kind of just bleh. I don't want to do a rural building session. And
1: the other thing about it is that if you take the whole side, let's assume that we've gone, even if we're at the town level, which is the, the gap that we see, if you're at the town level and you have a town and it is 20 miles away from the next biggest city, one of the things that will impact what happens is how long it takes to get your food to market. So my income is going to be dependent on how fresh my produce is. If I build a 20 kilometre road, if the town gets together and builds a 20 kilometre road, then I will do better. Or do I wait for the government
2: to build the 20 kilometre well, road? And, and, and the other thing too, and, is just as even associated with that too, is like, when you're saying that, I was just sitting there thinking as well of, of so about the food and when the food comes in, where's the food, there, there's no farming. So what is what is the West March is doing about farming that go, goes in? And what does that mean? It doesn't. It doesn't. And I know that some, some characters have been like, well, I'm gonna, let's go hunting and let's, let, you know, yeah. I've just killed a deer. What do they do with the deer? Well, they make a bit of, like, usually in my sessions, if you kill a deer, you have a couple of steaks that evening. And then you roll a die and that's how much uh, jerky you're going to be able to make. Yes. Whereas if there's a butcher in town... Oh, hey! We just encountered a herd of horses. Well, let's just slaughter them all and take them to the butcher.
1: Yeah, and so you end up with that. And did we have a conversation about killing a buffalo the other day?
2: Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Just talking about what it would be like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What was it like back in the on the plains of?
2: Yeah, well, back in those days, it, you it, you created you had to create a um, the Indians would create basically a, a factory line because when they did a buffalo jump. They would basically take, I mean, buffalo herds were like a million strong, so they would just be able to take off the, the dredges, the weak ones, that would so head them to the, the jump. They would all go over. Now, picking the hide off of a buffalo, an American buffalo, is really tough. You would dull your knife like that. So it, you had to create a factory line, so a bunch of tribes would get together. Yeah. They would process this, because they've got hours to process this, this animal that just died so that they could salvage the meat, salvage the hide, and not have any of that. So it was a huge fabrication line. And but, it had to happen at that
1: particular location. Yeah, yeah. And then it could be transported back to, to where you were. So all of these things kick into the how do you manage your farm, and do you and have a butcher shop,
2: and what do they sell? And, and this is just and, it. Like, Unless the DM is really good and, 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 and imaginative, what is happening in those road building sessions or, or this, this is actually a fantastic idea. We're going to go out there and we're going to harvest X amount of right. whatever to bring back. kale because we, <laughs>
1: yeah. you yeah. the crimson, kale. the did <laughs> kale, a great product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We, we harvest the kale yeah. and then we bring it to the nearest town. Yep. Yeah. The, the better the quality of the road is, the further we can transport it.
2: Yeah. So the it's, road it's, is really, really important. So the, the players might not so the players might not be involved with a kale harvest, because that I can't see how you can make that creative. Uh, even with a, a well in, in any of these cases, the players have to be the bodyguards, they have to be the protection. And that that's what it would be is just okay, you've got to make sure that this is getting to market. And if there's no roads, it's going to take three times as long. And so initially you end up with a scenario of we're transporting
1: kale to town. We need protection on it. As the roads get better, then two things come with it. The road mm-hmm. gets better. The amount of people using the road gets better. Yeah. And so the more people you've got on the road, the safer the road becomes. Well, not- because if you are you are then almost like in a caravan scenario, yeah. if there's a bad yeah. guy on the road yeah. and he wants to rob you of your kale, yeah. then... You have the a with are, are, your caravan. The chances are there is going to be another kale caravan or another kale cart coming around the corner in an hour's time. Yeah. So that, yeah. then that whole thing becomes difficult.
2: Yeah. And, well, and, 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 and I think it does t- also
1: introduce the wonderful idea of having a toll road. So you can own the toll road and therefore you can tax everybody that comes into town.
2: That so would you be something interesting. Is DM, I want to be running. I want to be in, in X amount of road building sessions because I want to fund. Yeah. I want to fund the laborers who do this because I want to own that road, and that would be yeah. funny. yeah. Because you know, and, 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 my, my, and you build you
1: your own army to, to go with it. Your your security group that goes with the road. I'm going to yeah. tell you
2: uh, something about the West Marches that I, I planned because you haven't played in a bit, so I, I don't think this is a spoiler. And by the time this gets loaded onto the website because I've still got to load all the other ones. It'll be over and done. It'll be over and done. But so there's, I've created this bad guy called Santa So she is this, one of the sorry elves, who is one of the cannibalistic elves that is found some power. So she's running all of the, the goblins on the coast uh, who are harvesting the gray mucus used for creating the goblin elixir of healing. Now the guys, they fought and you were involved with a lot of these fights to get to take over that that mine yeah. so that we can start mining the, the people of the town can start mining that and collecting it themselves and, and start turning it. Now, originally, when they brought it in, the alchemist of the town was saying, well, I need a formula. I, ca- I can't do a thing with this without the formula. Nobody realized the alchemist was actually a trader and he was working for the gnolls. So eventually, when that guy disappeared with the big knoll battle that happened, when he disappeared, the new they found a new alchemist. The new alchemist was like, oh yeah, I can make a healing potion or oh, there's no problem. And so all of a sudden they started manufacturing their healing potions. Now the Hobgoblin allies from the blood eye tribe, they also were like, bring us the gray mucus, bring us the gray mucus and we'll become allies. We'll work with you. We've got to, you know, we don't like the gnolls either. We, you know, we've been fighting a war against them. So they've been working on this ally relationship with them and they've been building a road towards these, the, the Hobgoblin yeah. allies. And, and I just said to Core the other day, I said, wouldn't it be funny that Xanaphia is not stupid? She's sitting there thinking, this mucus, although it makes a healing potion, she's been selling it way down south on the southern part of the island that nobody's discovered, nobody knows anything about at this moment. She does because she's lived, you know, a thousand years. She knows yeah. who the players are in this island. So she doesn't care who is mining, so long as it's getting mined. <laughs> so in fact, the hot bottle and allies that everybody thinks is an allies. They actually belong to her. And she's told <laughs> them, be allies so yeah. that they'll bring oh, no. you the mucus. And because ultimately it, it still food. comes to me yeah. and I'm still selling it to the seller. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the players don't know it, but they're working for Xanathia now. Yeah. And so and this is you yeah. know a private enterprise at its best. That is brilliant. I have to admit, I think what I've just indirectly created out of some stupid admin sessions, all of a sudden... I think that it's much more encompassing. Okay, the knolls are killing the sheep, and why are they yeah. killing the sheep? There was never really any answer to why were they killing the but sheep and stuff like this. Well, it always is. It's about expansion, right? Yeah, it's always about it's expansion. A, it's about expansion and power, and so uh, well, and, and that's why you
1: why then I had, have to build this. And this is why, when you look at the Westmarchers game, yeah. you shouldn't have to actually do this. Yeah, because what will happen is that those people that are good at the building yeah. the castle, yeah. managing the economy. They will build their own cities and their own towns yeah. and be able to expand, build more castles and dominate
2: a whole area yeah. where they can do whatever they like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's what you and realistically that's what you want to foster. But I think that your current yeah. idea is explore the island, and you will have some of these big things where there'll be a big enemy that you gotta have this big yeah. fight for. But you're not thinking big enough, right? Like my, my thing with xenophia is I think all of a sudden, now this integrates the northern part of the island with the southern yeah. part of the island for a reason that you're not aware of yet. And that's you are now all of a sudden, you are working for her and you're not even aware that you're working for her because you think it's yeah. you're these allies that are working together. You never, nobody's even considered this. And this is why, I, I, there's one player, there's one session where I rolled up a random thing. We we're a couple of miles south of the brand new town that's just been started to be founded and they encounter this well. The well is covered over. There's no well going down. It's, it's fully covered. And there's a bunch of mur- mur- uh, uh, mur- murals? murals on the sides of this octagonal well. Oh, yeah. And and I, when I first got there, I was thinking, a covered well, what the hell? What am I going to do with this? So I rolled up a well that it was an octagon and had murals on it. It was like, okay. And so in my mind, I was like, all right, this is a trade well. Mm-hmm. So people would come here. Different races that's outside of the town to do trade, and so when I was describing this to the players, and they're asking stuff, do I see stuff? So I said, you know, I'm gonna look for footprints, and I was like, yeah, you find a bunch of humanoid type footprints. It looks like there's a couple of different species, and not, none of those players could even come close to figuring out what it was, except for one. One guy's like, I think this is a trade well, yep. and I never said anything because how would, why would my validating that. I shouldn't as a DM validate. That's your guess. So what I did do though was when he wrote up his story, I gave him a little bit of extra XP because he figured the shit out. Yeah. And if we if we go so,
1: back to if we go back to the where we started with the Matt Cole thing, all of this stuff yeah. is the stuff that you you as a DM are creating, but but there's no rules around it. It's it's in terms of time, in terms yeah. of like the, the creation of the Xanathia creature, that's the kind of thing that you create
2: in order to... Uh, make a much bigger it a much thing where bigger thing, all of a sudden a stronghold, stronghold becomes really, really important in that area. And it also you gives mir- you... Wait a minute, holy crates, wait a minute. And it also gives you the ability to crush a player
1: that becomes dominant. and that—that—that that, that is also another issue yeah. that happens when you look at the build a stronghold scenario. Within most games that I've seen, there, there becomes a handful of players that become incredibly dominant.
2: Yeah. And typically, they are the people that were there right at the start. And, you know, and that's not a bad idea. I mean, like, for, for players that have been there, so and you, you're right, the, the player that I'm talking about is one of the kind of players that I, I could see wanting to do this. Most other players are just kind of murder-whole-wish, mm. I just want to go in there, have a powerful character and do stuff. But you're right, giving certain players the opportunity to create a stronghold yeah. And it takes X amount of gold and X amount of in real life time. And you've got to be thinking about your economy, how you're going to influence this, because there's going to be a fee to maintain that thing. Yeah. So how are you going to do that? But all of a sudden, if, they, if you do it well enough, you've got the mechanics there so they can create this. All of a sudden, then you've got like big world-changing things that can happen with what they're able to do out of there.
1: Right? The, da- the downside to it is that when you take a, a map of any given size mm-hmm. and then you start populating with those strongholds, The initial population is easy. The person builds a stronghold or a castle away from the other ones. And so the difficulty becomes when a new player comes along and says, I want to do this, they are going to attempt to build their area of zone of dominance inside an existing zone of dominance. And it's how do you facilitate that? as a DM. Yeah. And that then becomes an issue because it does well, mean... And, and hopefully these some of these rules are going to deal with some of that because... I doubt very well, much that they well, will deal with that at all because actually that's, sure that, that's that's so far down the track. Yeah. So it's, how do you take over a stronghold well, unless you attack it? And you can only attack
2: it if you've got a big enough army, but you can only get the army if you've got... And I pretty much guarantee that those rules will be focused on the point because most D&D is about one campaign with a group of players. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be focused on that. So Westmarch's is looking at something like that. How do we take that and take it into a multi-user player scenario and still make sense of it? Because you're right. That is going to be a factor. And I guarantee you're right. The book is not going to deal with a multi-user setting where you've got a bunch of people who want to build it. Because you do have a sphere of influence. But it does. Well, I don't know if the book does. But it does bring to the point the whole reason why any of these things, like why does Xanafia there? She is there to increase her power and influence. Everybody does that. It doesn't mean the go- yeah. a big goblin confluence. Wh- why are they confluencing? It's the same basic principle for all human species throughout time is you are trying to build a larger area. Like why does Russia go out and want Ukraine again? Because... Go back to the Romans and look at the Roman Empire. Look at, you look at the every, Chinese Empire. Look at the mobile, empire, the the Empire. It's all about yeah. expanding yeah. your power and influence, how you do it, subtle or... or... And, and, and part of
1: the issue is that within the world economy that we see, it, and you see over time and over history, the way that they have the rise and fall of the English Empire and the Roman Empire, uh, too, that sort of really stand out. In a D&D game where you've done this, how do you actually make them fall? Because that's a problem.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: People of the interwebs, are you thinking, Damn it, man, is this an abrupt end of the episode? Yep, you are right. Indeed, this episode is definitely not finished and has been sundered, split in twain. But there's a light. Return in just one week. Our discussion will be concluded. Then back on to Campaign Diaries. Until then, bye-bye.